Welcome to the podcast. In and through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. Yep. 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 How's it going, Tim? It looks like you're busy. Me? Yeah. Why? Like when I was setting things up, you had like super focused oh. train of thought. Get it on the get it on the screen before you uh forgot it kind of stuff. I was doing a course evaluation. So at this point in the semester, it's the summer semester, uh, they block you from being able to see your mark until you fill out this evaluation of the course. Oh, yeah. And I was filling out the evaluation for one of those courses that I won't name here, led by a prof that I won't name here. That well, has, of course you wouldn't. Has been a, like a, good, a good course, but just too much busy work. So I was trying to articulate that. I'm talking about like multiple assignments per week that are worth a fraction of 1% of your overall mark. <laughs> I'm not even joking. They're like, this assi- these three assignments due this week are each worth one third of 1% of, of your overall mark. And yeah. so you're like... Yeah. I hate you're busy like, I, work. I hate paperwork. Yeah, you're like, I, wanted, I want to do, like, do this course to the utmost of my ability... I don't want to just, if I just ignore all of these assignments collectively, it's going to cause a problem with my overall mark. Mm -hmm. So you're just like burning out these like little mini papers, two pages here, two pages there. There will be no tedium in heaven. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's definitely toil. So anyway, so I was just making that kind of clear to say, I would warn, I would warn my peers (laughs) against this class for this very reason. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, you got your tangent. I'm out. It's you done. got it recorded for posterity's sake. Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I didn't. And I didn't throw anyone under the bus. No. No. Because I don't, wouldn't want to. Because the the prof mm-hmm. is great and the class is good. Like what you learn is good. It's just too much stuff. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Moving yeah. on. All right. Well, sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do. Ooh. For yeah. the greater good. <laughs> Segway. Which leads us to the cross. Mm. Lead me to the cross. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about the beauty of the cross. Mm-hmm. Because I think the world, and in a lot of ways, justifiably, looks to the cross as not a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think people watch passion of the christ and go what a lovely movie right right yeah that's fair and to be honest with you i don't know that we should nope i don't think we should either there is very much a tension but there is also a beauty in the cross as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so understanding again that when we say beauty what we don't mean is in a lot of the ways that we sort of poked at it already we don't mean aesthetic beauty necessarily. Mm-hmm. We mean desirability. Right. Right. Do we, not only is it logically, is the, the Christian worldview logically the better option, is it the more desirable option? Right. That's what this whole cluster of podcasts have been about. Mm-hmm. And the question today is is the cross a desirable option? Right. Is yeah. there anything? 
beautiful or desirable inside of that act. Mm-hmm. Why did it happen that way? Why did it need to happen that way? And what would have been the other options? Right. Why no, is this the good one? Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. And I think you you touched on a good point that when you said, you know, our, our world doesn't necessarily see that as a beautiful, desirable thing. Um, the reality of crucifixion in general is that it was never really a considered to be a desirable or beautiful thing. No. It, right? Like, And I think that's, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more later, the counterintuitive nature of it all. Mm-hmm. But I came across um, kind of a, a paragraph here. It's a, it's one paragraph. It's a beefy paragraph, but I, I want to read it. It comes from the National Library of Medicine, which is an official U.S. government website on crucifixion. Mm-hmm. I thought this was kind of, you know, rather than go to, you know, a study Bible, just to kind of go to a more... Um, a secular source yep. for, for what yep. they have to say about crucifixion. So, in antiquity, crucifixion was considered one of the most brutal and shameful modes of death. Probably originating with the Assyrians and Babylonians, it was used systematically by the Persians in the 6th century BC. Alexander the Great brought it from there to the eastern Mediterranean countries in the 4th century BC, and the Phoenicians introduced it to Rome in the 3rd century BC. It was virtually never used in pre-Hellenistic Greece. The Romans perfected crucifixion for 500 years until it was abolished by Constantine I in the 4th century AD. Crucifixion in Roman times was applied mostly to slaves or disgraced soldiers, Christians, and foreigners, only very rarely to Roman citizens. Death usually occurred after six hours to four days. Cool. Was to four days, yeah. Yeah was due to multifactorial pathology. Here we got some medical terms, folks. After effects of compulsory scourging and maiming, hemorrhage and dehydration, causing hypovolemic shock and pain. But the most important factor was progressive asphyxia caused by impairment of respiratory movement. Resultant anoxamia, exaggerated hypovolemic shock. Death was probably commonly precipitated by cardiac arrest caused by vasovagal reflexes, initiated inter alia by severe anoxamia, severe pain, body blows, and breaking of the large bones. The attending Roman guards could only leave the site after the victim had died and were known to precipitate death by means of deliberate fracturing of the tibia and or fibula, spear stab wounds into the heart, sharp blows to the front of the chest, or a smoking fire built at the foot of the cross to asphyxiate the victim. Mm. So that is what crucifixion is. And when we talk about the crucifixion of Jesus in particular, we're going to somehow figure out how to argue that that's a beautiful thing. Right. And and that is that is very much in line with the biblical teaching on how Jesus died. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What so so that and I I wouldn't be surprised if the Bible wasn't one of the sources used to yeah. describe that, right? For sure. Uh, because it is also a historical document, yep, a, a much respected historical document. Um, but man, the the pain, right? Of of slow, mm-hmm. right? It, it's one thing to to do just like quick death kind of thing. I think I think when we when we think about death in the scariest ways, there's a reason people say they want to die in their sleep, right? Sure. Yeah. Right, because they're not even aware of it when it happens. Absolutely, right. And 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 slow is what's scary. Mm-hmm. Being able to see it coming and experiencing it—that is what's scary, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
and and this is very much that on a lot of levels mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know yeah and the way that it was done was to be a public demonstration to all like like crucifixion was a very visible thing because while well, the victims were were raised up right as kind of a, a warning sign right to all those that if you defy the authorities this is what we will do to you and it you is could qu- be next it is quintessentially insult to injury yeah for in, sure in its greatest form mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah because it was yeah because i mean what that little article that i read or that portion of the article that i read was says it not only one of the most brutal but also shameful modes of death yeah right? um typically they'd be naked when this happened as well right so mm. those sunday school pictures we have with you know still a, a loincloth or a sash on or whatever that may or may not be accurate probably not accurate yeah Mm -hmm. which again just adds to the shame and disrespect that would have been associated particularly i think i mean if you're a jew um a people group who were um you know particularly obsessed with propriety in in how you dressed and everything else like that yeah Um, yeah so i mean this is this is a heavy thing it's a weighty thing it's a con- it's confusing or it can can be confusing for us in trying to argue for its beauty and to be honest the 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 earliest when it comes to the crucifixion of Jesus in particular understanding who he is um that kind of compounds it right not only is this an ugly thing in and of itself but the fact that it happens to him makes it particularly ugly yeah there's it it is it is rightly written on our hearts that the death of the innocent is the more troubling thing mm-hmm. right like there are, there are really fascinating studies out there uh where they will present a scenario of like let's say combat casualties right and they'll be like this many soldiers um from each side and a dog, right? And like just measuring where people go, oh, right? <laughs> and it wasn't the 12 soldiers, it was the dog. Yeah. Right? Like, why? Why Why did the dog die? Right. Right? I need that story. I need to know what happened, right? And and the reason is you, wherever you stand on war, even if you're, you know, as we would be to say, you no, know, like the, 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 the place that mankind holds in creation is the greatest place in all of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, even with that, we would say we also know that we participate in very sinful, very dangerous things. Right. War is one of them. Right, right. Right? The dog didn't. Yeah, what did it do? Right. right. And so so that's, that's what becomes troubling. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that we actually love the dog more than we love those people mm-hmm. or that we believe the dog had a more compelling story. Mm-hmm. We know that the dog is in no way a willing participant in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that moves us. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even thinking like in a more like recent historical context, I mean, listening to a lot of stuff on like World War II, there's a sense in which this might paint me in the wrong light but whatever there's a sense in which when you hear about like an ss unit Mm -hmm. getting run over you're like good and then you hear about towards the end of the war that okay yeah the allies took this town and it was essentially guarded by a bunch of like 16 year old boys and old men who were forced into military uniforms you know because there was nothing left Mm -hmm. for germany to to draw on and you're like oh like it doesn't feel as not that we i mean I might be even wrong to get any kind of sense of satisfaction out of 
SS soldiers dying, sure. but but it's different, right? It's different. It even even in, even in that, like, and they're still both. They're all just still fallen. They're human beings, and they're fallen human beings. But even there, there's just the, the gradient of how keen and engaged, and and uh, how much of a willing participant they were in what was going on impacts how we how we read that and how we feel about that right and, and that's even biblical right you have the two thieves on the cross right in this very moment mm. and you have mm. the one who's joining the crowd and mocking mm-hmm. right like like he's going to spend his final hours going you know i'm up here to whatever this guy happens to think that he's god that's hilarious if you're going to go out, you might as well go out mocking someone, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. What a metaphor just for our culture, though. Yeah, yeah. We're, all, hum- di- we're all dying. We're all, we're all destined for It's doom, the human heart. And we're just going to, like, mock others or mock Christ himself yeah. as we go. It's- and so he's, he's sitting here just joining in mm. on the, the barrage of things to be said. And then, then the other says, what are you doing? Mm. And makes the point to say, we deserve this, right? So in doing that, he minimizes even his own death and the death of his friend Mm -hmm. because it's justifiable, Mm -hmm. right? We're guilty. This is justifiable. This is right. Has it ever occurred to you that the holiness, the sinlessness of Jesus was so well known that a thief on the cross, not a mm-hmm. disciple mm-hmm. who walked with him day in and day out, mm-hmm. what would have constituted a stranger says, I know who this guy is, and what we know of him is that he's blameless. Yeah. Yeah. He's done nothing. Yeah. Right? Pilate says, Pilate says the same he's thing. done nothing. His innocence is talked about around town. People know enough that they're going to bring it up, mm-hmm. right? It's not like those thieves got to sit in the back row of the trial and hear, oh, like, Pilate said that he's not guilty, <laughs> right? Right, right, right? Right. We're just waiting because if we carpool, we can save money, right? So we're just going to hang around a little bit. No, they, it wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been present for that. It, it would have been a different time, but they know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, I was reflecting on the the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, right? Mm-hmm. Who like that that kind of that long walk out of David City, that long departure, right down that mm-hmm. road out of Jerusalem, you know, grieving the the loss of Jesus, right? Grieving the loss of you know what they anticipated as the fulfillment of all these promises all these things they were longing for all these things they saw in the scriptures they were hoping for um seemed to be dashed right they this son of promise like just like how like you know you know they had, had these other kind of sons of promise you think of like Isaac or whatever like mm-hmm. Isaac ended up being there was a substitute for Isaac and there's no substitute yeah. for Jesus no like he dies Right, them, them not understanding that he is himself the the substitute, right? And so, like for them, it's just it's just utter defeat. It's just utter loss. It's just like everything that they were hoping for and looking forward to is just done. Yeah, and that's where a lot of times you hear pastors talk about the disciples at this point, 
Mm. And they're like, what did they do? They ran and they hid. Mm-hmm. Brother. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> what would you be? Yeah. Like, what would you do, right? Even, like, even Peter, and I'm not, like, I'm not letting Peter off the hook for his denial of Jesus, um, because, well, Jesus ultimately forgave him for that, but... Um, yeah, you don't have to. I don't Jesus have to. Already Jesus did. already did it. But he was at least, like, in the vicinity, mm-hmm. right? I guess John, we know that John was, John was present, but most of the guys are gone, right? And then, so, but anyway, so this, there's this, like, feeling of, like, utter defeat and loss Everything is wasted. Everything has been for naught. Yeah, and and, and almost in like uh, an Alexander the Great kind of a way, right? Mm-hmm. Because there was, and, and this is this is a nuanced position. All right, I know that you don't even like this position. Okay, but I'm going to throw it out there. Maybe one of our listeners <laughs> likes this position. Okay, I I like to grant a little bit of space to the disciples asking the question, "Who among us is the greatest?" Okay. I, I want to grant some space to that because when that conversation happens, it happens when Jesus is talking about how he's going to go and die. Mm. I think what they might be saying is, then how does this thing carry on? Right, right. Who's the successor mm-hmm. in this? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's, I'm going to die, and th- and this is the way it's oftentimes painted. I'm I'm going to die... And then this sort of like clueless, we're not even listening, we have our own thing going on, entirely detached. Hey, who's the better looking, <laughs> me or him, right? Which one of us is smarter? Which one of us is your favorite, right? Right, right. In, in that kind of a way, I, I think that the notions are connected mm-hmm. in a way as to say, who's the successor? And in a similar vein, right, if you remember back to our history podcast, Alexander the Great mm-hmm. goes out, conquers... All the known world names everything Alexandria, because why, <laughs> why not? Why not? <laughs> Who's going to stop you? You know what would be great is if the only thing better than these people being Greek is to be named after me. That way, not only do they bear my nationality, they bear my name. Uh, it's Nobody so, could stop. The it's only so thing fortunate for them. The only thing that stopped Alexander was his own drinking problem. Like right. Essentially. And so, and so he goes out. It's it's understood. He's on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still in conquest. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And they're like, Alexander, listen, like we have armies in battle right now. Mm. We're in the midst of conquest. We need direction or mm. this whole thing is going to collapse. Mm-hmm. Who's the successor? He says the strongest. And he just closes <laughs> his eyes and dies. That's so epic. But I mean, it's, ter- it's terrible for the people who are left there. Sure. You know, those guys have got to just be looking around at each other going, yeah. what do we do? <laughs> Right? And started sharpening their knives is what they did. You're right, because his point was if I give this to someone mm. and they take another inch, then they were an inch greater than I am. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he was so obsessed with himself it's wild. that he thought, well, if I can have them here and now turn on each other, they're right. This whole thing will collapse mm-hmm. and I'm the greatest. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and, and that's historical review even for the disciples, right? They're looking at this going, what happens now? Yeah. Right? Yep. And and it makes sense that they're going to run and hide. Sure. It makes sense that they're going to be confused. Mm-hmm. Right? There mm-hmm. was so much wrapped up in this. We we really believed that this time would be different than the other times. There were, there were so many clues that it was different. Sure. Right? Yeah. They watched the signs and wonders mm-hmm. over and over again. They heard... 
promises that they had never heard before that connected perfectly and interwove with the mm-hmm. Old Testament and, and what what just happened yeah. and the brokenness of the the people on looking just think about Mary mm. mm-hmm. Mary was visited by an angel right and told this is the Son of God who will deliver his people mm-hmm yeah. What is she thinking while she's sitting there next to John and the other Mary mm-hmm. going, for her, it's not hearsay. It's not secondhand. She was there. Right. Like, is she doubting her own experience in that moment? Like, is she doubting the virgin birth? And she's just like, I, I was, I mean, I know, but right. what happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's, just kind of like feeling that kind of chaos and confusion and just kind of the discouragement that, that would have been felt by all involved. I think the way that that road to Emmaus story concludes is really helpful for us as we kind of mm-hmm. move into this conversation because the stranger appears, right? And he's like, Hey, what's going on with you guys? Why are you so down? Right. And they like, dude, haven't you heard what's just happened? Like how mm-hmm. how are you the one guy? Right. Like are you not on Facebook? Like what's going wrong? What's going on with you, man? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like like have you not watched the news? And and then he says to them, "Oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory?" And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Mm-hmm. So suddenly there there begins to be a flip, right? Obviously Jesus is Jesus is a stranger. If you haven't read the story, Jesus is a stranger. They haven't figured that out yet. That that's later. He just kind of like reveals it last minute and then disappears, which is like just a fun move for him. But like he essentially says like no 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 this like this ugly terrible thing that just happened was necessary, and it's actually. It's actually for the best. Right. And I'm going to help you understand that. And he actually uses the scriptures, right? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Like he's doing like a topical Bible study through the whole Old Testament on the necessity of the atonement, which I think is just wild. And would have been great if that was written down for us. It's not, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> we have some, we probably have some clues and some ideas as to where he went, but sure. I imagine Jesus sure. probably drew on some things that like we, even our best theologians haven't picked up on yet. So yeah. it would have been nice, but uh, I don't know. It's one of the things to daydream about, I guess. Um, but yeah, so, so he helps, he helps them kind of understand. No, don't you see, don't you see that like this thing that you thought was a defeat was actually the plan. Mm-hmm. This was actually what it was supposed to be, um, and so, and that's kind of one of one of the scenes. There's a handful of scenes that we see in the gospel of kind of the this shift, this radical kind of shift in their understanding of what it is that had occurred. Right, right, um, and, and it's important to understand that it's the plan from the beginning. It's not something gone wrong. Yeah. That's why Isaiah 53 is so important to New Testament theology, mm-hmm. right? In Isaiah, hundreds of years mm-hmm. before the cross, 
Isaiah says, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Right? And it plays out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, like, the reality, too, is, like, wrapped up in the cross, you know, we we can just kind of sometimes skip ahead to the resurrection. Like there's a, especially if we want to talk about positives, we're like, but, 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 right. And I think that, but the resurrection is going to be, you know, a significant part of what we're going to talk about next week. But I think even if we just kind of isolate the cross in and of itself, um, there's like, I think it's worth just kind of talking about the beauty of that in and of itself, yep, right? right? Apart right, right. from what what happens and the hope associated with all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like, because the beauty of the cross is just, I think, totally counterintuitive, right? It's like, just, just goes totally against what anyone might have anticipated, right? And, and that's an important note, that it's against what would, what would have been anticipated. Mm-hmm. There is a line of teaching that says... Um, the cross was not God's plan. Hmm. God only used the cross and sacrifice and blood offering because that is what mankind had already established and he just needed to speak their language. But instead, it had really nothing to do with uh, with his plan. And to that we say... Shut up, bricks and cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's and, and so the the notion is the broken heart of humanity forced the hand of God to go against His nature in order to tell us a story. Ugh, it's just um, gross. It's gross even here. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think that I think the hardest part of that logically is that most people find the story of the cross not a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And and they find it confusing. They found it confusing then as we've well established here. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not like Jesus died and all of his followers go, "Oh, now I get it." Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um yeah. so so even on a logical place that falls short, mm-hmm. right? Uh but the 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 difference is Creation, the purpose of creation was the establishment of life. Mm-hmm. Life broken is death. Mm-hmm. And it's the result of sin. It's creation broken. And so this is this is God's plan. This is God's story. And for good reason um, and righteous reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and it's not just Bruxy. And human. No, it's not. I just, no, he you, just, he's just the guy in her backyard. That's yeah, why I said uh, his name. Groeschel. Oh, Craig Groeschel? No, no. Is it is it Groeschel? I shouldn't do that. Yeah, you shouldn't it may do that. You don't know. Uh, but um, the guy in England, Oxford, he wrote what Paul really meant to say. Anti right. Anti right. He's he's anti, Christus Victor. Anti wrong. <laughs> he's the Christ, <laughs> also a Christus Victor guy. Anti right says a lot of really smart things. He's a brilliant mind, but Some, sometimes some, some, he takes a left turn, and you're like, "What was that?" It's like, dude, he's almost like too. He's like he, he's so brilliant. He's like. I actually know better than every other Christian theologian who's come yeah. Sometimes me. it just goes too far, yeah. And and I and by sometimes he he's kind of gone and and keeps going, right? Yeah. It's a shame because there was a time when I thought, man, he's he's got some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, yeah. So so yeah. So the 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 cross is counterintuitive in that it it didn't make sense to the world, mm-hmm. right? And I think like 
so that kind of goes against that 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 mindset like oh well this was just so that god could kind of like speak and toddler speak to us because we're just like desirous for blood and so this mm-hmm. is what he does it's like no in fact it's so counterintuitive because it doesn't make sense to to our minds initially right and that that essentially god would use an instrument of death to open up the path to real life right right like this kind of like especially in that era um that that kind of the quintessential um symbol of of death and and not just not just death in a general sense but the most brutal and shameful as that article said brutal and shameful death mm-hmm. would would end up becoming a symbol of of victory in life um right cuz what cuz what people saw at the crucifixion was like a man who had claimed to be savior claimed to be a king claimed to be a messiah they watched a man like that lose everything right as yeah. he hangs there he's helpless he's hopeless yeah he's it's, bleeding out he's dying right like it's 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 like he's lost everything what do you how how could this ever be a victory like this guy this guy had a lot going for him for a, for a minute there and now it's yeah. all gone. Yeah, and the humility of Christ in this, mm. right? The the condescension to go from the throne where he is surrounded by the angels singing thrice holy mm-hmm. over him to go and to be embarrassed and destroyed by his own creation mm-hmm. for their sake. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I often say at this point, and, th- and those of you who sit in my preaching have heard me say this too many times, um, sometimes we get a gift and it's not uncommon for us to look at the value of the gift and to say, oh, you shouldn't have. Mm. I cannot think of a greater place to apply that than here, to mm. just look to God and say, you shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and you think of those people, not just, and I think of especially, especially kind of the Gentile believers, um, like, you know, the Roman, the Roman citizens, so to speak, um, you know, who, who hear the gospel, hear of the crucifixion of Christ for the first time. What, a, what a, like, what a reversal of values and expectations that's being put in front of them, mm-hmm. right? Crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst, right? To be crucified meant to be made worthless, right? Like they didn't cru- like a lot of emperors got killed. They didn't get crucified. Like right. nobody of any social standing or v- cultural value got crucified. Mm-hmm. Um and so to suggest that a king, a messiah, would die in such a way must have just seemed utterly preposterous to them. But then the scandal, I wonder if just like, just the scandal of it all. While, while some people would say that, right, um, you know, offense to the Jews, stumbling block or foolishness to the Gentiles, right? Like a lot of people are going to be like, that's foolish. But I, I wonder if, you know, to some, they're like, that is so, so backward. That is so preposterous that... I need to think about that for a second. Yeah. You know, uh, for whatever you think about the theology of their church, Hillsong did 
an album in the like 2015-ish, Zion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did, there's a song on there. So Oceans was a song that sort of blew up. Yeah. Um, it it kind of became like a punching bag and kind yeah. of thing. You can ask me personally and I'll tell you why I think that that's too bad because I love that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on that album, the best song on that album, as much as I appreciate Oceans for all of its theology and challenge, mm. um, Scandal of Grace. Mm. And and the hook that leads into the chorus is just the scandal of grace that you died in my place. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is scandalous, right? Right. Um, yeah, and then there's there's just so many there's so many features, you know, in the cross and in kind of the 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 immediate kind of surroundings and setting and situation of it all that just again like you it just speaks volumes like when you when you think about it and you read into it and you know I know we got to be careful of not reading too much into certain things but like think of like even okay the fact of you know it's the the place is identified Golgotha right. Mm-hmm. which the place of the skull, right? A place yeah. associated with death, right? And so at this, the place of the skull, this place associated with death, what seemed like Satan's greatest victory, right? Because even even the Son of God, even this so-called Messiah is suffering the curse of sin, Right, right. He's 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 fallen victim to this same virus. In 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 such a way as the author of Hebrews talks about the one who uh, was tempted in every way that we are. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. like even the immortal is going to face death as we will. Mm-hmm. And and the author of Hebrews' whole point is to say, you serve a God who knows you, mm-hmm. not just intellectually but experientially mm. knows what it means mm-hmm. to be in this place mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah and and you know and we've talked about this before kind of the the proto evangelion right that 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 hint that very first hinting at the gospel that we see in mm-hmm. in genesis 3 right where the Lord says to Satan, uh, "Of the seed of the woman who will come, right? You yeah. will you will strike his heel right. and he'll crush your head, right? The cross, like at the place of the skull, this place of death. And I'm, I'm, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but for me, it feels meaningful. the The cross itself is like a spike driven into the skull of the enemy, right? So, like the son of man or the son of the woman in this case, like." feels that sting, right? Like he, he he feels that sting of death, but in doing so, like, you know, crushes the head of the serpent in that moment. And uh and so again it's just like this reversal, right? It's like, okay, well, like what what exactly is happening here and how is this like this is just so it, it it's God's redemptive power at play, really. Like, right? It's like, man, like if <laughs> God makes things whole out of broken things, God brings, you know, uh, restitution out of you know things that are scattered and whatever. But it's like He brings life from death, turns graves into gardens. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's true. That's a good, another good hill. That's a great bridge. That's a great bridge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I even think of okay and. If I'm if I'm going off the rails here, Tim, you you tell me. You, okay, 
I will. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Even, okay, so we look at, like, we look at the cross, right? The, the cross obviously developed by Syrians and Babylonians, perfected under the Romans. But just like the image of, of what it does to the human body when you're put upon it. Mm-hmm. There's kind of this vertical aspect and this horizontal aspect. I'm not going to write a book on this. I'm not going to preach a sermon on this, but this seems like a casual enough place to, to throw this out here. This vertical aspect of the cross planted in the ground with its top pointed upwards, this representative of, you know, I think if you think of who Jesus is, right, this unity between God and man, mm-hmm. right? And then what, what Christ's death achieves in its atonement is is building that that bridge, like like reconnecting humanity with its creator. And then in the, you know, horizontal outstretched arms, an embrace of humanity, right? Embracing those of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Like, it's just, it's like things that don't even like need to be there, but just are. And like, I don't know, like, I, and again, I, I fully admit I could be reading t- too much into that. No. I, so I would say this, um, iconography mm. is just the application of meaning to pictures an mm-hmm. icon, mm-hmm. right? Um, you can go full on iconoclast mm-hmm. where they say, no, right? Anytime you do that, you end up destroying a thing. You, you just can't represent mm-hmm. all that sort of thing, right? Um, or you can end up in this place where you're like, everything has meaning all the time. Right, right. right. Do we, I, I will never forget a professor who said in class, I... I laughed out loud during the lecture. I still laugh about it. And he just sort of like very calmly, because it was an online lecture, looked very calmly at the camera and said, sometimes a tent peg is just a tent peg. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't point to Christ and all that, right? It's just mm-hmm. it's just a tent stake. And yeah. It, it needs to hold down the tent. Yeah. yeah and you yeah. don't need to read it into everything, right? Just because sure. it's in the Bible. Um yeah. But I, I think I think also there's there's time where we can use that as a teaching tool to mm-hmm. point to people. Does mm-hmm. it mean the meaning was originally there and intended for that? From I would say teaching that that was the meaning and why God chose to use it oh, without yeah, the authority no. of saying without the authority of the Bible explaining that that's what God's intention was from the beginning. I think goes mm-hmm. too far. Although sure. people love to do that, right? People, people are do like, it all the time. And this is this and da 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 da, right? And they just sort of run with it and like, did you know? And I'd be like, no. And did you know that the person who told you that also doesn't know? <laughs> <laughs> right? There, it just it's right. there's this there's this uh, sort of culture inside of pastors where they just do like that'll preach, right? right? And yeah. just, it, it doesn't have to be true in order for you to say that'll preach. Mm. James White has this incredible story of a guy who was a friend of his and a pastor doing a Greek study on the text he was about to preach that Sunday. And he he calls James and says, listen, James, you're the Greek scholar. I did my, you know, three semesters in seminary. I see this inside of this word. Could that be? And he makes like this really powerful connection. Mm-hmm. And James White's like, that'll preach, but it just doesn't work that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've messed up the grammar here and you made a mistake in the Greek that caused that to line up, right? Right. right. It, it sounds great. It's so exciting, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, out of curiosity, he watched the sermon and the guy preached it anyway. <laughs> 
That's yeah. And and that's just where I can say like, no, you find a thing like that, utilize it. Mm-hmm. Not as fact, but as as an aid to memory, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it just is the kind of thing that like. Yeah, I like it. It. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, and again, like, there's just and just speaking to like you know other things. This is more more biblical insight. Okay. This next one, don't worry. I'm not getting to it. I'm not talking about like and the wood of the. No, I'm not getting into that. Um, but even like the some of the words that are spoken leading up to and surrounding the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. One one like crazy, well crazy in a good way, I guess. Passage that like I had never really considered and I never really heard much teaching on it. It might have been te- okay. taught on, and I just wasn't until a few years ago uh, when I came across it. Was um, this council? This this uh, essentially the, probably the Sanhedrin is called after there's these reports of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, which occurred shortly before his crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, what are we supposed to do with this guy? Right? He keeps performing signs. He seems legitimate. Like, what are we going to do with him? Sure. Right? Not, he seems legit, so maybe he is, but he seems legit, so we have to kill him. Right. And um, so it says that in John 11, starting verse 49, but one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Right. Absolutely. And then we get we get the insight of John saying, he did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would yep. die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Right. <laughs> right. So even, even in the trial yeah. of the people of God, mm-hmm. he speaks the beauty of the cross mm-hmm. and why it matters. Yeah, it's better. Right? It is better for one man to die. Right. So, Adam, okay, we know historically Eve took the first bite, right? Yeah. The the sin is blamed on Adam. Yeah, Adam takes the Throughout blame. scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're any, going. We're going to do the same. Shifted on Eve is from like Roman Catholic theologians. Yeah. Who just <laughs> we're going to we're going to do the same, right? Yeah. Adam takes the so takes the heat. In in line with Paul, there was one man, mm-hmm. and there is another man, the first Adam, and the second Adam. Mm-hmm. The reason he calls them both Adam is not because Adam is the greater, but it is the prototype from which all other types will follow in life. The name Adam means man. Yep. Flesh and spiritual, Mm. right? One man sinned and brought death as a consequence. We've already said creation was about the bringing of life. Mm. To break life is death. And so he brings about that destruction, one man. What What if everything and everyone didn't have to die? That'd be nice. Wouldn't that be great? What if, since one man made the mistake, one man can clean it up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but the problem is that, that the mess that that one man made was greater than one man can clean. Mm-hmm. Right? Think about an oil tanker piloted by, obviously, a crew, not a one man, but follow me here. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Even 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 given the crew hits runs aground and you have an oil spill. 
given their entire lives plus, those responsible for piloting that ship could never clean up that mess. Mm -hmm. And it will continue to spread. Mm -hmm. But what if one man could? Mm -hmm. And and that man would need to be more than a man. Right. And he did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the idea is that that mess that, you know, Adam caused has all of us perpetuate that mess, right? And so you would need someone, that one man, not only to be great enough to to handle it all, but to be unstained to that mess himself. Otherwise, he's got his own problem, right? Like that's that's the whole thing about in Hebrews with the high priest, right? The high priest has to offer sacrifices for himself first yeah, yeah. before he can even go do this thing once a year in the mm-hmm. Holy of Holies, right? But Jesus, spotless and blameless, lays himself down as a sacrifice, right? Mm. And um, which I think is just so important for us to to remember yeah i mean even like even things that happen like you know you have the 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 soldiers you know who are scourging him beating him and you know whipping him and whatnot hitting him in the face saying hail king of the jews like they're confirming like they like just just as caiaphas was even though like his thing was like it's better that this man dies like but there's there's truth in what he's saying, but he just doesn't yeah. really realize it. It's the same. These guys are like, oh, hail King of the Jews, like as a joke. But it's like, mm-hmm. but finally somebody was saying it. Yeah, right. Some finally somebody somebody was acknowledging it. Right. It's like, right. It made me think of the. It's not exactly the same thing, but it made me think a little bit about like, you know, even if these were silent, the the rocks would cry out. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, even though the the people who should have been acknowledging who he was, were silent. These, these these Gentiles who were mocking him, they're still speaking the truth, right? He's not only the king of the Jews, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, right? Right, and, and I think, I think too, there's a beauty in how far he's willing to go mm. to prove himself. Um, one of the things that, uh, the, that he does over and over again to prove his message differently, he states it, I, I do these things so that you will believe, mm. right? What's easier to say to a man, your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and go home, <laughs> right? So that you will believe that the son of man has the authority to forgive sins, I say to this man, take up your mat and go home. Mm-hmm. It's a proof. John doesn't use the word miracle at all. He always calls it a sign and a wonder, right? It's a sign. Signs point to things. They advertise things. Mm-hmm. What is being advertised is that Jesus is the Son of God. The Pharisees ask for a sign. Prove it to us. Mm-hmm. Even though he has repeatedly proven it to them. <laughs> right. And, and actually, the reason they're having the conversation is because he had just committed a wonder, a sign and a wonder. And they're like, you can't do that. And he's like, I just did. And they're like, well, if you have that kind of authority prove it and he's like isn't that why we're here in the first place like what's going on what's going on they ask for signs and wonders so jesus escapes arrest Mm -hmm. and on multiple occasions they come to arrest him and he somehow escapes arrest is that impressive to you right he didn't get arrested you can you can go on youtube and catch people who are almost (laughs) arrested and slipped out and the cops are staying they're going what happened Right. right, not impressive, right? Um, 
then when he's when he is arrested, right? Like he could have just gotten away from that. He he decided not to. Mm-hmm. He's hanging on the cross and and they're yelling at him, "If you are who you say you are, bring yourself down." Mm-hmm. Right? It's not enough that he evaded their arrest. Mm-hmm. Now they're like, "You're hanging there for all say, come down." Because that would prove it. Mm-hmm. Houdini made a living out of this. Mm-hmm. Now lots of people do, right. right? If he had people, it'd be like, whatever, people can do that, right? It's explainable. It's not really that impressive. And in some way, I wonder if Jesus is like, you think that would be impressive mm. for me to just come down from here? Mm. All, all you would do is you would say, well, we, we didn't hanging him up there as well as we could. Right. Someone check his bonds or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I am in the process of giving you the sign that you're asking for. Mm-hmm. Ephesians tell us that, tells us that he can do far more than we could ever hope or imagine. Mm-hmm. What I love about that passage is it's, it's a passage that you cannot write a commentary on. You cannot say, for instance. Because, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> because as soon, as soon as you give an example, you've lowered the bar beneath what the passage is intended to teach us. Right. Right? Because if you could hope or imagine for it, then right. it's, it's not even in the realm of what he's capable of offering us. These people could not imagine him they, or they could imagine him coming down from the cross. They could imagine that. Mm-hmm. And so they asked for it. But the one who can do far more than we could ever hope or imagine didn't just defeat the Romans. Mm-hmm. He allowed himself to be arrested, to be hung, and to die. Mm-hmm. And he said, now I'm ready to give you that sign. Mm-hmm. Because... I'm greater than your greatest of enemies. Not your civil enemy, your mortal enemy. Mm-hmm. Greater than death. There's your sign and wonder. Mm-hmm. And so for all those who would, who would ask themselves the question, why wouldn't he show himself? Why mm-hmm. wouldn't he show himself? My question is like, how did he not? Right, right, right. Lots of people could struggle their way off of a cross given enough time and effort, right? Mm-hmm. Who is, who is going to conquer death? Mm-hmm. Who's going to come out of that tomb, mm-hmm. right? That is the sign and wonder. And for all these people in his time begging for that, he's just like, watch, mm-hmm. watch and wait, watch and wait. I've told you I'm not going to be signed. I've got one for you. Mm. But this one's, gonna, this one's not going to be microwaved. It's gonna, we're going to put this in the slow cooker. Mm-hmm. And, and it's going to be incredible. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think one of those aspects too about the crucifixion that is, you know, one of those things that is beyond what we can imagine. And there, I guess there's some debate on this. I got into a debate with a guy in a in a group online you? over this. Online? I've been really good. No, I've been really good, Tim. So, so people debate online? Sometimes. Really? Occasionally. Huh. So essentially we were talking about the nature of the atonement and, um, and anyways, and kind of its scope and whatnot. And we're not, we don't have to get into that, that stuff. It's kind of a, anyways, but but just what this guy said is like, you know, Jesus suffered a physical death and that was, that was enough. That was it. Just the fact that he died was, was what achieved 
mm-hmm. um, the atonement. I'm I'm not there. I think there was a there's a there's something going on beyond what we we understand in in Christ actually bearing the wrath of God, right? The the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and I think more than just nails in his arms and his legs, right? Um, more than all those brutal things that we read at the beginning of the episode. Um, and there's an element of that, of him satisfying the wrath of taking on, right? Like he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Um, second Peter, I think for first Peter two, maybe, um, anyways, um, that, that idea that like he actually, like there is something going on that is far beyond what we can imagine. And, and so like, it's not even just him hanging there. It's not even just him enduring what, well, a lot of other people endured. Like he wasn't the only person who got crucified. Mm-hmm. Lots of people got crucified. Right. Right. There was a slave rebellion and the Romans literally executed thousands of them and like literally lined, lined the roads in Italy with these people. Yeah. So it's like, so that like the, there, it's unique in the sense that of who he is, his identity, mm-hmm. his innocence, his divinity. But I think there's also a unique nature in the suffering that his suffering was, was unique. Yeah, physical and spiritual. Exactly. Right? And and that's where, so we talked about a handful of people who uh, hold to a model of the atonement that would say, Jesus didn't need to die a bloody death. It's not, uh, it, it was just a way of teaching us in a language that we speak. Um, they would say uh, that God holds no wrath in, in a way that Jesus had to do this in order to absorb the wrath of God, mm. right? And in fact, I've heard N.T. Wright talk about his love for the song in Christ alone, mm. but he will not sing the line um, on the cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, mm-hmm. um, because he just doesn't see it that way. And in his interpretation of Jesus absorbing the wrath of God on the cross, is that God is in heaven angry. And it just in that sort of situation where like someone's going to get punched. Mm. Right? Mm. I've got so much built up in me. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it on someone. Mm. And like if you imagine a, an alcoholic abusive father who is just like about to take it out on his kids. And then the mom steps in the way and absorbs the brunt. He's like, that's not the God I serve. Mm. And I would say, amen, not the God I serve either. Of course. The problem is justice requires for the guilty to be punished. Right. It, It requires it. The way that I always explain this is to say purification requires the germs to be eliminated in mm-hmm. order for it to be sanitary, mm-hmm. right? And so if we're going to live in a holy heaven, a sanitized heaven, the germs have to be done away with, mm-hmm. right? It's necessary, and that is what is meant by wrath. Mm-hmm. God's To compare God's wrath to an angry, drunkard, Mm-hmm. abusive husband is mm-hmm. re- is the same as to say any any judge mm. who rightfully sentences someone who has co- repeatedly committed crimes to pull them off the street 
mm. to say, oh, well, that guy's just being belligerent. Right. He's, he's not belligerent, <laughs> he's right? Righteous. He's righteous. He's righteous. He's protecting mm-hmm. the people yeah. from, from this evil, mm-hmm. right? This evil that has been committed. Mm-hmm. And and so when when we sing that, what we're talking about is all of that need for uh, the, the wrath of justice, the mm-hmm. righteous wrath of justice mm-hmm. is absorbed on our behalf by Christ. Mm-hmm. And I, I think as much as the physical pain, that's what Jesus is struggling with in the garden. Oh, yeah. Because he foresees that. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't really cry out in his pain so much. He, he does mention that he's thirsty. Um, well, there's the, my God, my God. Right. Why my... have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think, the spiritual weight mm-hmm. and not the physical weight in yep. that moment. Mm-hmm. And... <sighs> Marshall, you will never have to stand before your God and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he did. You know, and man, if that doesn't move you, then I I don't know what would, right? Yeah, yeah. This is why this is why we sing about the cross. Yeah, this is why we sing about a brutal and shameful execution. Right, as and, a beautiful thing. And so many people in to, in today's culture, we we have this aversion with death. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. People go to sanitized places behind closed doors to die. Yep. We're we're not engaged with it. Um. Very very. Infrequently, I don't know what it's like in the states now. It wasn't like this when I was there. It, it could be a cultural thing in Canada. Man, the number of times that I go to a funeral without a body or without an open casket—it's mm-hmm. it, becoming more common than not. Or they don't even it, want to call it a funeral, right? In my experience, we we rename it a celebration of life. Yeah. We are constantly removing ourselves from a familiarity with death because it is uh, it is a scary thing for the lost, mm-hmm. right? It's a scary thing for the believer because you're stepping sure. into an unknown and stepping mm-hmm. into an unknown is a scary thing. Yeah, and um, death is an enemy. It's something, right? you know. But, but with all of that aversion, it's made its way into the church in that on Good Friday, people... One, are wildly confused why we would call it Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Isn't it the most tragic Friday ever? Or they just want to skip it. Yeah. And they want to throw out the whole, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Like, very quickly, like, let's just jump past this. Let's not even talk about it. And and more and more common, Good Friday services, because, because Christianity is just sort of in this place now where there was a time in the medieval period where you could only be broken and destroyed, right? right? And if you weren't hurting, you had to physically hurt yourself, so you had something to be broken about. Right. And now it's in this opposite place, right? Like, you Mm -hmm. can only be giddy and Mm -hmm. happy all the time, Mm -hmm. Um, to the point that when we come to a Good Friday service, they're just like, this is just like Easter Advent, right? Like, it's just an Easter message now, we'll do another one Saturday and then a Sunday, and we're just going to skip past the cross, and we're just going to jump right to the resurrection 
as if the cross is not a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. The cross is a beautiful thing for multiple reasons. One, because it was the plan of God. And there is no getting around the fact that God's plan is right and good. Mm. And even if it's not what you would do, it's beautiful, whether you know it or not, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's beautiful because it's God's plan. It's beautiful because one man cleaned up the mess that we have all made. Mm-hmm. And there is an element of his sacrifice on our behalf that will keep us from ever having to know the penalty of our sin and the mm-hmm. weight of our sin. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes sometimes I, I find myself praying, God, I want to see my sin the way you do because I want to be appalled by it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't always feel appalled by my sin. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary thing to me. Mm-hmm. How familiar have I become with my sin that it's not... And sometimes I wonder if that's even a right prayer mm-hmm. because I don't, I will never know the true weight of my sin mm. because it's been carried away and I'll never see it. Mm-hmm. But isn't that what we want to do for our children? You think of the generations that, that went to war and knew the horrors of it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want their kids to ever have to even know. Yeah, right. Right? And we want that for our own children. There's there's places I've been and things that I've done. I don't want my girls to know that. Yeah. I don't want them to feel the depth of that. Mm-hmm. And I know that they're not going to be perfect. And I know, you know, I, I, under, I understand that. I'm not naive. But, but as a loving father, I, I don't want them to ever be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, there's an element of that that... Mm-hmm. This was part of the plan so that we didn't ever have to truly feel the full weight of our sin. Right, that's why we have monuments in Flanders Field and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Let's let's not forget what these did on our behalf so that we would hopefully never know. Whereas the cross is, let's not forget this, which is why the church has historically used that icon front and center. Oh yeah. Let us not forget this. Not because hopefully we will never have to know it, but because we will never have to know it. Mm-hmm. Right? The price paid on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, man. Anything else? No, I'm good. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. It's produced by Alex Walker. See you next time.